and in some ways, particularly here with uh, an indictment of Ephraim specifically, which we can substitute USA in there instead of Ephraim because that's who he's talking about. I found it interesting. I went to California this week uh, and came back. Nevada's locked down again. You have to wear a mask to go in anywhere. Uh, they just won't let you in without one. So the lockdown is starting all over again and going to get much, much worse this time than it was because they're not going to let up. Uh, in France, their, or their vaccination card has eight spaces on it for follow-up booster shots. They've, they've allowed, already put it into the paperwork that uh, as we go, we'll check these off as you have them. And Israel, which was, what was it, 84% vaccinated or higher, very, very high, higher than anywhere, and now they're having a huge outbreak over there uh, among vaccinated people primarily. So they're going to need a booster <laughs> real soon. That first one hadn't killed them yet. You, you got to give them another one and hurry the process. Uh, on an international level, my son brought up something to me the other day that... Uh, I had not thought of, and I think now that it's probably confirmed and is the case, and that's why did we pull out of Afghanistan in a sense so suddenly, and why did we just abandon thousands of Americans there and walk off and leave them and turn billions of dollars worth of uh, arm, uh, armaments and war material to the Taliban. I was not aware. I, I was aware of poppies uh, and Afghanistan producing an awful lot of that. And there are people here who are making a lot of money off poppies, probably including the government. But I did not realize that Afghanistan is very rich in rare earth minerals. Uh, China has a lot and actually, we do too, but between EPA and all the stuff going on here, you can't drill oil anymore and you can't harvest uh, rare mineral earth or hardly do anything anymore. Uh, but they, the Chinese have us over a barrel because those rare earth minerals are needed for a lot of the high-tech stuff that's going on today. And we have to depend on China to get ours, just as we're starting to depend on somebody else again for oil uh, and other things. Meantime, China shut down one of their main ports because they had a COVID case. And uh, now I even hear they're shutting down all exports. I don't know how true that is. But if it does, the supply line of nearly everything here is going to dry up pretty fast. Now back to Afghanistan, they do not want America to have access to those mineral earths if we could even defeat the Taliban to start with. Now come on, 
a bunch of guys living in the mountains and we can't do anything about it. I don't think we intended to really in the first place. It's like Vietnam. We did not intend to go in there and win that war or we could have done it. You could have bombed, I mean, one atomic bomb in the capital city and it would have been over. Uh, cut off all the supplies coming in to Afghanistan and it wouldn't be long until they were starving to death in those holes in the mountains. So, you know, let's get serious. America has goals behind the scenes that are not commonly understood, perhaps, by the average American. But my son brought this up before I'd heard anything about it. Uh, Russia, well, not, not this part, Russia and China, I think we've been aware, have been having war games where? In Kazakhstan, right next to the Afghanistan border. So they've, they're ready to come in and take over, and they want those rare mineral earths. Uh, the Taliban don't have the know-how, the equipment, the wherewithal to mine them themselves. So the Chinese can come in and say, you can have your poppies and you can have these Americans and you can have whatever you want, but we're going to do this. And that will probably work for them. Meantime, America has the door shut in its face. But this deal had to be made behind the scenes. Our present government is in bed with the Chinese. We've been reading about our adultering. And I'm sure that Biden's handlers uh, told him how to go about this. Just pull out. Leave the Americans there. They don't matter anyway. We want them all dead. Uh, and there'll be such an uproar among the conservatives about that, they won't see the real reason for why you're coming out of there and turning it over to the Chinese. So there's political stuff going on behind the scenes, and as Jeremiah tells us, our leaders would sell us out, would shake the hands and make a deal. And it seems quite obvious that we made a deal with them that we'll pull out of there, and you can have Afghanistan, and we'll make it such a mess and a hasty withdrawal that nobody will pay any attention to anything except a few thousand Americans who are going to have their heads chopped off. I understand the Taliban already has been taking their passports away from them so that they can't get out, and then they'll deal with them, I suppose, once they're more firmly in control or turn them over to the Chinese, or whatever they decide to do. But that analysis, I thought, was right on. And then I saw an article two or three days ago that uh, brought up the same scenario. Somebody else had seen it. So these things are going on day by day, and we, for the most part, don't even realize why, unless we know behind the scenes what's going on. And... From here to California, it is unbelievable how, much, how many square miles are now covered with solar panels, primarily installed by the Chinese on land that the Chinese, has either, the Chinese have either bought or it's been turned over to them by our government. They're, they're been, these have been increasing, but they're putting them in so fast now you can hardly keep up with it. Uh, 
So on and on it goes. Let's go back to Hosea then. Uh, chapter 7 we got down to. God says, When I would have healed Israel, He has a mind and attitude of wanting to heal, of wanting to bless. That is His character. That is His mindset. If He chooses to do something else, It's because it is needed, not because that's the way he thinks. You know, you've met people in your life probably that are just simply malevolent to the core. They have a bad attitude toward people, toward life. They want to do any kind of harm they can. Uh, I ran into somebody yesterday that just, it was clearly there was an attitude there. Why did you show up? Please go away, was the approach. So there are people who are antisocial and don't like people and so on and so forth. And then there are people who have, well, friendly, open, lovable attitudes toward people, sociable people. So we got sociopaths and socialites. There are all kinds of people. But God has the character and the mind normally, daily, to want to give, to bless. He's kind. He's friendly. He's loving and lovable, if you will, is his overall approach to life. It is only when somebody does something that creates trouble that he goes into anger or I will curse them mode, and even then he's slow to that, slow to anger, and his anger dissipates rapidly because his normal character is he's a very social being and loves. That's what he is. So when he chooses to do something uh, negative or hurtful or chastening, It's not his normal character. It's something that he does because of what somebody else has done. So it is a reactive thing. He's peaceable by nature. So he says here, when I would have healed them, that was my attitude. They're sick, I want to heal. Wasn't that Christ's attitude when he was here? There's somebody sick, I want to heal them. They were bringing people in on litters and beds and whatever uh, to and laying them beside the road where they knew he was walking down the road. And his mind and his attitude was to heal. The only times you see him getting upset are when the Pharisees or Sadducees or someone like that would stir the pot then he would react. When they put money changers in the temple and were using it as a place of business and lying and cheating and stealing people in the temple of God, he reacted. So it is a reactionary situation when God does something that's difficult. A lot of religion has it the other way. God's going to get you for this. He's just up there waiting for you to do something wrong so he can nail you. And 
that isn't what you see in the Scripture at all. So when I would have healed Israel, that's what I wanted to do. That was my mindset, my character, and my nature. Then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered in the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood. And the thief comes in, and the troop of robbers spoils without. So in the house, in the business, and without it, all over the place, people are lying and cheating and stealing and taking advantage of each other and all the things that our society is doing. So he said, I love Israel. I would have healed. I wanted to heal. But when all this stuff comes up, I have no choice. I can't heal them when they're in that kind of attitude even though I'd like to be able to. And they consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. They pay no attention to God and what he might be thinking or what he might want. They just ignore the fact that there is a God or, or whether he's involved. Now their own doings have beset them about. Isn't it our own doings that we have four storms off the coast of America right now and the interior is covered with smoke? It was so thick in California, Southern California, and most of the fires are up north. But it was so thick air you could hardly breathe. You could hardly see. It's bad. We're manipulating the weather. We're taking this nation down in so many, many different ways. It's our own doings that are creating most of the problems. They make the king glad with their wickedness and the princes with their lies. You think it doesn't make the senators, the officials, the presidents happy when the big multinational worldwide corporations come and offer them millions and millions of dollars, if they will just do this, oh, they make the princes happy. They bribe the rulers. They make them glad with their wickedness. And in our particular case, the administrations that have gone on, and particularly the one now there, are on the communist side. Socialism, Nazism, and Communism are all closely akin, and elements of all of that are being perpetrated upon us right now. So, the king is glad to see what's happening to us. Uh, they're pushing it all the way. You think Donald Trump didn't know about Krause and what he was and who he was and how he was involved? You can't blame Fauci on Biden at all. Trump knew about that way ahead of time and appointed him. Their own doings have beset them about. They are before my face. They're right in my face with it, God says. They could care less. They don't think I can act. They don't think I can do anything. And they really don't care what I think. And they do it right before my face. Uh, 
verse 4 then, they are all adulterers as an oven heated by the baker who ceases from raising or kneading after he has kneaded the dough until it be leavened. So they baked all this, he uses the analogy, into a cake. And they worked it, they made the dough, they worked it, they leavened it, so that all this evil would rise. And then they left it alone. Let's read on and see how that fits together. He, he ceased working it. He didn't need to work it anymore. The, the adultery, the, the political adultery here is in particular, has all been baked into the dough or, or put into the dough. And then it just is left alone while it raises and gets worse and worse and leavens the whole loaf, if you will. In the day of our king, the princes have made him sick with bottles of wine. He stretches out his hand with the scorners. So that's kind of a thought interjected into this, this baking analogy that he's using. All these people around him, all the lackeys, all the corporations, have made him drunk with wine, politically drunk, morally drunk, drunk in every way you can be. Uh, he stretched out his hands with scorners. So he's reached out his hand. He's made deals with people who scorn God, who scorn righteousness, who love to sin and love to make gain by sin. So he stretched his hand out to those. Now, that is an analogy that is from uh, Kings, and he uses that analogy here. If the king stretched out his hand to you, you could come in, like Esther. But if he didn't, your head came off. So what this is saying is, he stretched out his hand to these people who are scornful, who are ungodly, who are adulterous in every way, physically, mentally, spiritually, politically, economically. So they've set him up, for they have made ready their heart like an oven. So he comes back to this analogy of the bread and the oven. You've got to get an oven ready for the bread. You preheat it up to 350 or whatever you're going to do. Uh, you turn it on, you get it ready, and then you slide the dough in. So they've prepared their hearts for evil, like you prepare an oven. Back then they didn't have the ovens and it took longer to get it ready than it does today. While they lie in wait, they're just waiting for this to happen. They've put evil in the dough. They've let it rise and get more and more evil till it's evil throughout. And now they're waiting for the product to get rich, to make gain, to kill off everybody that's in their way, the population of the world. Their baker sleeps all the night. In the morning, it burns as a flaming fire. So they got everything prepared ahead of time. 
They put the bread in the oven, and then the baker went to sleep. Now, you set a timer in your mind, or on the stove, or on your phone, or somewhere, a reminder to take the bread out when it's done. Well, in this case, it says the baker just went to sleep. He's got no alarm clock. <laughs> and what happens? It burns up in the night. Now, isn't all of what we are doing in this nation beginning to come down on our heads? Nobody's minding the bread. Nobody's paying attention to what's going on. And our society and our culture is burning before us. In the morning it burns as a flaming fire. It's uh, burned up. And our society, our culture, our economy, everything about it is being burned up and ruined. They are all hot as an oven and have devoured their judges. If you have an honest judge who believes in the Constitution, he's gone. Uh, if you appoint a new one, he's a new world order boy. The same thing in the military. Get rid of all the conservative generals and put the liberals in charge. All their kings are fallen. So we're beginning to see some of that starting to happen. You had Trump in there. He was their hero. And they caused him to be fallen. He didn't lose the election. It was simply stolen. So he, in that sense, is fallen. In others, the same way. Uh, if you stand too much in the way, you get suicided to the back of the head. Uh, and it can happen to senators as well as any other whistleblower. This will get worse. I mean, we're, we're seeing the beginnings of all this, and it's getting worse day by day. Uh, there is none among them that calls to me. They're listening to each other, and they don't have each other's best interests in mind. Do you really think the king of the north, Russia, China, Iran, and all those other nations who are going to join with them in the United Nations to come in here are going to care about the liberals in government who have invited them in and whom they have paid to help destroy this nation? They've seen, they've observed and watched our leaders betray us. Do you think they're going to trust them? No, they're going to kill them. That's what they do. I mean, that's one of the oldest games in world history and politics. I mean, even right here in this country, when the Spanish came into mine, they would cause the Indians to do the dirty work, the hard work. And then when they found what they were looking for, they didn't want anybody to know it, so they simply killed the Indians. That's what you do. That's what's been done throughout history. Useful idiots, and then they're dead idiots. <laughs> and that's where the liberals are headed. 
the liberals will start killing off the conservatives, and then the new world order will come in and kill off the liberals. Well, that's their plan. So our leaders are going to fall, and nobody is going to turn to God. And he uses the analogy on down. Ephraim, he has mixed himself among the people. He is a cake not turned. We read this recently, but I want to comment a little more on it. He says, strangers have devoured his strength, and he knows it not. Yes, he's getting old and gray and doesn't realize it. Our society is in great decline and is about to simply come apart. All the wheels are going to come off. And yet most Americans don't realize it yet. They don't get it. Some are beginning to wake up that this vaccination is causing problems. There's more and more of that. People are starting to say, wait a minute. So what are they going to do? They're going to push a booster shot. And what else are they going to do? Have another issue come up. Another issue that is going to cause people to react in fear. Because they've started the initiation of the mark of the beast, and it will continue. And this slavery that they are putting us in is simply going to get stronger and stronger. It's still a yoke of wood in this country. It's not as hard on the shoulders. It will very soon become a yoke of iron uh, that chafes and hurts more. So, we see it right now. Our border is open on the south. Anybody can come in, no matter who they are. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter where they came to Mexico from. They are allowed to come across the border. It's not just a few Mexican res- refugees coming across. But they're coming in by the tens of thousands. And the The ranchers along the borders in Arizona and Texas have been paid off by the drug cartels and maybe even by the Chinese to let them come across their ranches, and they have told them, not only will we pay you to stay out of the way, but if you do get in the way, we will kill your wife and all your children. So they can just come across without any problem and come in, and they're coming in from all races all peoples around the world, of our enemies. So we are allowing ourselves to be mixed among all the races of the world, happening right here today. This is not a prophecy, it's a happening. A cake not turned. Now if you don't turn it over, it burns on the bottom and turns black and brown. And that is essentially what has happened. We've let all these races that are non-white come in. And this is not an indictment against the people who are coming in. It's an indictment against us for allowing ourselves to be polluted by people who are not of our culture, not of our background, and never worship God in the first place. And we supposedly did, sort of, but don't anymore. So we're allowing this to happen, and the baker's sleeping all night and letting the cake burn. 
and sleeping on purpose. You know, if you're on watch baking bread, you should be paying attention. But if you say, oh, well, I don't care, and lay down and go to sleep, then you know what's going to happen. So there's cause and effect, and our nation is suffering cause and effect right now. Uh, Millions and millions of people have come in, and now they're being paid monthly checks by our government, our taxes, and given health care and given driver's licenses, and they can get government benefits and loans and various things a lot easier than you can as a citizen, much easier. So we're burning, whether we know it or not. It's the, the fire is getting hotter and hotter. And it's going to lead to a fall in our government. The kings are fallen. Our government is going to fall apart. In many respects, it already has. Uh, but they're still ruling us. That'll get turned over to the beast power. So, strangers have devoured our strength. And even those who haven't come in, who are strangers, have devoured our strength. What has China done to this nation? Taken over most of our manufacturing, sent us cheap goods, used our money, and have taken our resources away from us. So they're strangers who didn't even have to come here to do it. They could do it from afar. But we're also bringing them in. Uh, the Chinese were given one of our major ports. Uh, Trump took it away up in Long Beach, I think. But uh, they're be being given land grants and BLM ground that you're not even supposed to most of the time even go on or have to say on certain trails if you do go there. They're turning it over them to to bring their multitude of workers in probably well-trained military guys to build these solar plants, and here they are. They're here, ready. And we don't know it yet. Verse 10, And the pride of Israel testifies to his face. We've been such a proud country, and now we are old and weak, losing our strength, and not able to take care of things anymore. But we still have our pride. <laughs> Haven't gotten rid of that yet. And they do not return to the eternal their God, nor seek Him for all this. Your nation is burning up before your very eyes. You're old and gray and crippled up and don't know it yet, but you don't turn to God. Don't even see what we are. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They call to Egypt, they go to Assyria. They look to this world for their answers, not to God. Egypt is symbolic of sin wherever it is, and Egypt then is a symbol of Satan's way and Satan's governments, and has been since way back when Israel was in total captivity in Mitzrayim or Egypt. 
So that analogy is still used. So you go to the sinful world for your answers, and you go to the Assyrian who is going to be leading the northern army that comes in to destroy you. That's where you look for help. (laughs) It's just crazy. It's going on right now with a deal that just got made to give Afghanistan to the Chinese. And on and on it goes. When they shall go, I will spread my net upon them. So Biden only recently went to talk to Putin, uh, ran to the Assyrian, I think. And it isn't going to be long now before God's net comes down. They've made the deals. It's all in place, ready to be enacted. I will bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. I will chastise them as their congregation has heard. They're going to hear about this, and God's going to do it. Didn't Herbert Armstrong start telling this nation from about 1930 on that God was going to punish it? And it went all over the nation, and hardly anybody listened. It was there if you wanted to pursue it. You could have found out from what was being said. I mean, even when Ted was preaching about whales and platypuses because he didn't want to face preaching the gospel, he at least was saying there is a God, and he was at least advertising the booklets that would give them more information that they needed. So it was there. Their congregation has heard. And he'll bring them down as the fowls of the heaven. How did the fowls of the heaven come down? Well, sometimes when they're alive, they dive into the water to catch a fish. But I think he's talking here about fowls who are being destroyed. And if you've hunted ducks or geese or whatever, when you shoot one... It doesn't glide down. (laughs) It just falls to the earth. Kabam. And that's what's going to happen to us. Woe to them, for they have fled from me. Destruction to them, because they have transgressed against me. Though I have redeemed them, yet they have spoken lies against me. God redeemed Israel when he allowed us to come back to this land 434 years ago. He redeemed us from the captivity and then the resettling in Europe and other places on earth. And he opened up this land and let us come back. So he redeemed us from the captivities of the past, and gave us this promised land once again in hopes that we would do what's right this time. Well, how did that go? Well, he just said it here. They transgressed about against me. Though I redeemed them, I brought them back, I gave them a chance. All they've done is lie and cheat and steal and make alliances with other countries and forgotten about me. So, isn't what I said at the beginning borne out right here? God tells you what the problem is, and then he tells you what he's going to do about it. And that's what he says. He's just described 
how evil and wicked we are, and how it's coming down on us. And they have not cried to me with their heart when they howled upon their beds. Now, as this trouble comes stronger and stronger, people are going to start living in fear and howl upon their beds. But they won't be howling out to God with their heart. They'll be calling out, howling out to medical science or the government or anybody but God to relieve their distress. There are people right now in our country, by the millions, who are so paranoid about a cold or a flu that they lie in fear on their beds at night and worry. And if a new vaccine is offered, they run right down and get it because they're still worshiping medical science as their God. Science is going to solve our problems. Well, he'll solve your problem. He'll quit howling on your bed the day you die on it. They assemble themselves for corn and wine, and they rebel against me. They want the good things. They want to be wealthy. They want to be able to buy corn and wine as they please. Those are symbols of wealth, of having plenty. And that's what they want. The wine or alcohol, when things do get bad, is one of the very best barter items you can have. If you had a semi-load of alcohol, when trouble really comes on people and they're howling on their beds, they'll trade you anything they got for a bottle of booze. Now that's been proved over and over and over again. In Germany, after that war, the women were selling themselves for a bar of candy. Anything they could get. So these represent, lots of corn, lots of wine, represent prosperity. That's what we've been after. We want money. We want the good things. But we rebel against God and His ways. Because if you follow God, you can't lie and cheat and steal. Though I have chastened, uh, which is better Hebrew than bound, I have chastened and strengthened their arms, yet do they imagine mischief against me. God has chastened this nation some, and individuals in it. He has also strengthened us. And allowed us to win victories at Dunkirk and other places where we would have lost. So he has done his part wherever he could to try to encourage, to strengthen, to help. And yet we've denied him and turned away from him. So that's the situation he is facing. And he can't say, when I would have healed, I did. Because that's his attitude. He wants to strengthen, to chasten, so that we might obey him, and we don't. So this final chastening is going to be the grandmother of all chastenings. They lie against me. 
They've not cried to me with their heart when they howled on their beds. Let's see, I'm going on down. Uh, Verse 16, they return, but not to the Most High. So they'll start thinking maybe, what do we need to do here? How are we going to fix this? Aren't there people right now writing letters and writing podcasts and doing things to say, what are we going to do? This is honest. We're coming apart. All the wheels are coming off. What are we going to do? And nobody does anything. Somebody will make a fiery speech on a podcast about Americans have to do something. Rise up. Peacefully uh, (coughs) resist. We're not. Give the French credit. Hundreds of thousands of them are in the streets (coughs) protesting this thing. Americans, we're going to let them lock us down again. I already just experienced it in Nevada yesterday and other places. And Americans just kind of sit there, okay, I'll put it on. I'll go get vaccinated. And some are saying, no, we can't do that. We won't do that. We'll resist. But nobody does. (coughs) They return, but not to the Most High. They're like a deceitful bow. Their princes shall fall by the sword for the rage of their tongue. This shall be their derision in the land Egypt. Or the land of Egypt. Now what's a deceitful bow? You say, I'm going to take this arrow and shoot those guys. And then if anybody dissents against what you're doing... You say, oh, I think I'll shoot him instead. So, they will say things in our government about how we're going to solve this problem or that problem in the world. But their goal and their purpose is to kill us. A deceitful bow. A a bow is simply a means of killing. Used here is an analogy. The sword is added to it. For the rage of their tongue. The things they're saying, the things they're doing, God says they're going to fall by the sword as a result of it. Okay, let's get chapter 8 going. Set the trumpet to your mouth. He shall come as an eagle against the house of the Eternal, because they have transgressed my covenant and trespassed against my law. How does an eagle come? just swoops out of the sky, picks up whatever is there that it can grab and hauls it off. A lamb, a baby goat, a rabbit, whatever it can pick up, suddenly out of the sky it comes, grabs its prey, which is then helpless, and flies up on a cliff or up in a tree and sits there as it holds it, and eats it. That's how this is coming on America. Like an eagle that swoops down. Israel shall cry to me, My God, we know you. And some of them are today. God help us. God help America. Uh, We need to turn to God. But they don't. 
They don't really turn to God. They might use his name. They might say, we need a revival, but nobody revives. Israel has cast off the thing that is good. The enemy shall pursue him. Isn't that what he told us there in Deuteronomy 28? If you don't obey me, I'm going to send an army after you, and they will pursue you. They have set up kings, but not by me. Do you think that the leaders of this nation fast and pray before they select judges, before they select people for high offices? No. They don't go to God and ask for his guidance, his wisdom. They do their own thing. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Now, God sees it going on. It's not that he doesn't know it's happening. But what he means is, they've set up their princes, and they haven't consulted me. Oh, you appointed that judge? Why? <laughs> you didn't come to me. I don't know about it. Yeah, he sees it. He watches it. But he is not let in on it, is the point. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols that they may be cut off. We've taken our wealth, whatever it might be, and that has become our goal and our God is materialism. Uh, one of our gods, one of our main gods. But God says, worship me and only me. And if you make an idol out of anything else, you're going to be cut off. That's his first and main commandment. Worship me. Come to me. Your calf or your idol, O Samaria, has cast you off. He uses the <clears throat> analogy here or the example of the calf, uh, going back to when Aaron made the calf for Israel to start with. So in some of the prophecies, he still uses that. Uh, we don't worship calves or cows like they do in India, but that golden calf and what we want as opposed to what God says we should have becomes an idol. So that calf is a symbol of all the different gods we have today. But it casts you off. Your gods, your idols are going to do you any good. Uh, they just sit there. And they can't help you. We've made an idol out of materialism in the U.S. dollar. Very shortly now, it won't be worth burning. Why spend a match on a dollar bill? Because it's not, it'll, be, it'll be totally worthless. That's one of our gods, and it's going to cast us off. Let us down. My anger is kindled against them. How long will it be before they attain to innocency? Everybody's lying, cheating, stealing, hurting other people. When will they become humble and meek and innocent? For from Israel was it also, the workmen made it. Therefore it is not God, but the calf of Samaria shall be broken in pieces. Whatever our calf is, whatever our idol might be, it'll be broken in pieces. And I've often said that our worst idol, our biggest idol, is self, right? 
because it is ourselves that we put ahead of God. Whatever our desires might be, and those can vary from person to person, uh, the things that they pursue the most. But if it's contrary to God in any way, or even if it's a good thing that you do too much of so that you can't have time and energy to turn to God, is golf a sin? I doubt it. There's nothing wrong with playing golf or fishing. Now, there's one I know is okay. The Bible talks about eating fish and fishing. Not a problem. But if that's all you do with your spare time is play golf or fish, then you don't have time for God. Therefore, you're putting golf or fishing ahead of God. And it becomes an idol. Because that's where your interest lies and where all your spare time goes. For they have sown the wind, verse 7, and they shall reap the whirlwind. We've got four big storms, some of them hurricanes, right off our coast right now. Well, what do you, how do you sow the wind? The wind comes and blows things away, right? You can't see the wind. You see what wind does. So people don't see where what they are doing is leading. They don't grasp what can happen. So the wind in that sense is vanity. It's ego. It's doing your thing that can produce nothing. So he says, you've sown worthlessness. Things that aren't real. Things that have no value in that sense. And you'll reap the whirlwind. It'll take away that which you have sown into something that can't help you. Wind generally doesn't do you much good, does it? If you plant a garden, it dries it out. Uh, you water it, and it keeps drying it out. I'm speaking right here in the desert. So the wind usually doesn't help. So we do things that are not going to be a benefit, is the point. And then God is going to take it all away with the whirlwind. A really evil wind that really tears things up. It has no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal. Winds have destroyed an awful lot of crops and will. If so be it yield, the, the uh, stranger shall swallow it up. So even if we are able to produce, strangers are going to come in and take it. Israel is swallowed up. Now shall they be among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure. You have a glass of water, and you drink it and swallow it. It's swallowed up. In other words, it's gone. The glass is empty now. It's not half full. You swallowed it up. It's gone. That particular glass, unless you have a way to refill it, is not going to do you any more good anymore. It's swallowed up. 
So he says, they're going to just drink us down like a glass of water and we will no longer be. When you're among the Gentiles as a vessel wherein is no pleasure, that glass is a vessel and it had water. Now it gets swallowed up and is no more and the Gentiles will have us into captivity, total captivity, a yoke of iron, and it'll be no more. Your glass is not half empty, it is empty as a nation. For they are gone up to Assyria, a wild ass alone by himself. Ephraim has hired lovers. Now, a wild ass by itself, if there are predators or enemies around, isn't protected. Has no way of really protecting itself. And when we go and hire all our political lovers around the world, we'll not have protection. Yea, though they have hired among the nations, many nations, now will I gather them, and they shall sorrow a little for the burden of the king of princes. Because Ephraim has made many altars to sin, Altars shall be to him to sin. So, we'll reap what we've sowed. We've made altars, we've, laid, we've bowed down before sin of all kinds and all types, and now it's going to turn around and others will rule us, make captives of us, and we'll be altars to sin for them. They are not going to turn to God, are they? No, but they'll be happy to use our labor, be happy to make money off of us, be happy to enslave us, and make peasant farmers or whatever out of us. And they then are going to get punished for the altars of sin that they have made out of us. Because they're not going to turn to God either. So it's not just America. Ultimately, before this is over, most of the Gentiles are also going to die. Because there are quite a few prophecies that say, once they come in and do this to us, we still are God's chosen people. And He is chasing us, chastening us heavily to get us to what? Repent and turn to Him. And all these other people who come in and destroy the apple of his eye are going to get it too. He says several places, after they this do, do this to you, I'll do it to them. What goes around comes around. Russia and China and Iran are not reading this either. Verse 12, I have written to him the great things of my law. Who has more Bibles than any other nation? This one. Who has spread more Bibles around the world than any other nation? Not more than this one. I mean, I've hauled boxes of Bibles myself to Kenya to give to people. That's, you know, they asked for them and I was going, so I packed up what I could get in my luggage and took it. 
that's not a feather in my cap, I'm just saying, we as a people have sent out so many Bibles. I wrote to him the great things of my law. Everybody has a Bible, and very few ever read it. And if they do, they don't pay any attention to it. But they were counted as a strange thing. Go somewhere in public. Start talking to people. You can talk about the weather. You can talk about their four marriages. You can talk about this or that or the other thing. But you start talking about God and obeying His commandments, and you probably won't have a real long conversation in most cases. Strange thing. They sacrifice flesh for the sacrifice of my offerings. Instead of making an offering to God, we sacrifice our babies to Baal and abortions. And now we're giving them kill shots. But the Eternal accepts them not. Now will He remember their iniquity and visit their sins, they shall return to Egypt. We're going right back into slavery as a nation. Ezekiel lays it out. One-third will die of famine and pestilence. One-third by the sword. One-third will go into captivity and a sword after them. And then throw in a few extra of the 10% for good measure is the way God has Ezekiel explain it. We're going right back into that kind of slavery. For Israel has forgotten his maker and builds temples, and Judah has multiplied fenced cities. So we have false religions and heavy military to defend ourselves instead of to God. You know, when Israel went into the promised land with Joshua, when they obeyed God and served Him, God fought their battles for them. They didn't have to lose a lot of people going into Jericho, first place they went in. They just, he just says, well, march around it. And then play your trumpets and shout. And the walls will fall down. Oh, this is pretty good. This works. But when they took it upon themselves to do what they wanted to do, or ignored what God said to do, God would say, wipe out these people. Don't leave man, woman, or child. And they would say, oh, we can't do that. That wouldn't be humanitarian. And then those people came back to bite them. So when they obeyed God, everything worked. When they disobeyed God, nothing worked. And life became much more difficult. You've learned that, haven't you? You have set your course now for a long time to serve God. And when you get off the track a bit here or there, you begin to fear that things are not going to go as well. You, you begin to think, maybe I better pray more, maybe I better straighten this little area of my life up or whatever, uh, because God might do something about it. Well, that's what he says he's going to do. They've built their own religions, done their own thing, and they've decided they'll defend themselves instead of having me defend them. 
and I'm going to destroy their defenses. They're going to be taken into captivity. I will send a fire upon his cities, and it shall devour the palaces thereof. Our important buildings, capital, courts, uh, state houses, all the important things that we have used to rule ourselves the way we wanted to go are going to be taken away. The palaces, that means the rich and wealthy. Most people didn't live in palaces. Most of us don't today. Well, McMansions, maybe a lot of Americans are, but they're still not really totally palaces, except among the very wealthy, the very rich, and those will be taken away. God said in Isaiah, you're sick from head to foot. So it isn't just the rich who think they can save themselves because they will go into caves and holes in the mountains thinking there's salvation here. But God knows that they have perpetrated a lot of what we're going through and going to go through more. And he's not going to let them off. He'll take care of them, too. So, whatever you put up as your religion, as your idols, or your self-defense, God is going to take away and destroy it. Wealthy or unwealthy, it doesn't matter. The wealthy think they can get away with it. Some poor people think that they can bug out and get away with it. No, it's not going to happen that way. There is only one way for us to be protected. Only one way. That is to turn to God and serve Him with all our hearts. And He says, I will deliver you. I will protect you. I will take care of this. I'll be a wall of fire around you. I'll be a covert from the heat and the rain. I will do it. That's the only covert, the only hideaway at Zion, that there will be. Everybody else is going to be subject to what's coming down. You can't just go hide. You can't do it. A lot of people are going to try, but it's not going to work. When God sends out an edict, it's going to happen. And there's only one place you can go where there is any safety promised. How safe do you really feel now just going downtown? We have a people who are hidden behind masks. We have them who have had vaccinations who are just putting that out there for you to catch. The vaccine, the vaccine causes people to be more likely to spread it than before. It's getting dangerous out there. And it's going to get more and more that way. There's only one place you can go, and that's to God. You know? People say, well, I'll save up my medications, because I won't be able to get them anymore. Wrong. Medication's not going to save you. Trusting God will save you. That's the only thing that will. But Americans, one of our main gods is 
medical science and pharmacia. Who do you go to when you have trouble? Take him to the doctor. Hurry, hurry, get him to the doctor. Man, that's one of the last, last play people on earth I want to see as a doctor. Forget that. I saw him drive one of our ladies here. Bunkers. Went nutso after going in there and having some of their drugs. Made her absolutely paranoid. Opened her up to all kinds of stuff. Witnessed it with my own eyes. I talked to a doctor about it. And he says, yeah, a lot of people come in here and it's so traumatizing and upsets them so much they get dementia. It's just one of the things that happens because of being there, if for no other reason. Medical science is not going to save this nation. Medical science is absolutely bent on destroying this nation and killing its people. And the CDC and all those liars and thieves and murderers are behind it all, along with every other organization of the government who's bought into it. Well, they're not on your side at all. They're murderers, and they're trying to kill us all. And they're going to kill a lot of us. They've already inoculated a lot of people, and a lot of those people in the months and a year or two ahead are going to die. And that's why they are so desperate to get it to everybody, so that we can all die. That's their goal and their purpose. And they will do everything within their power to get you to do it. There'll be some resistance. Montana just passed a law that employers cannot uh, browbeat their employees into getting shots. They can't fire them for not getting shots. First state that's done that. Well, expect Montana to get some kind of trouble from the government. <laughs> you know? You don't stand up against those people for very long without problems happening. So, uh, yeah, here and there, there's some resistance. And it may get so bad, as Jeremiah says, that there'll be violence in the land, ruler against ruler, and civil war. That is coming. It's written in the book thousands of years ago that we're going to have a civil war here at the end. It's going to happen. I don't know exactly what's going to set it off. I don't need to. I just need to know it's coming and that I had better be where God wants me doing what he wants me to do or I'll get killed in it one way or another. God is just saying, they turn to everything but me. They do anything they want, but they won't come to me and I am going to take care of the problem. So we're forcing him to go against his nature. This whole section started out, I would have healed. I would have helped. You wouldn't let me. So, I will do what I have to do to get you to turn to me. That's what it's all about. That's what he did to the church to get it to turn to him. And 90% have not. 10% have, and they'll show up soon. Same with the nation. 
He's going to destroy 90%, and then the 10% that are left when the millennium starts on the acceptable year of the Lord will be blessed because they've turned from their sin and turned to God. That's all he ever has asked. That's all he wants. And yet we resist. Even you and I, with our nature, resist in one form or another. And that we have to struggle to do what he's asking us to do because it's against our nature. It's against our humanity. It's against what Satan introduced to us in the Garden of Eden and that we have been beset with ever since. So we struggle. But brethren, it's worth it. God says over and over, and right here, to our nation, if you'll just turn to me, it'll turn out all right. But you won't. Therefore, this is coming.